G'day guys, Ben Iken here, joined today by Paul Kent as always, and welcome to NRL 360. No, I'm Oliver from NRL, in my opinion, joined by the lovely Clarkie from Clarkie's NRL column. This is the Set of Six video podcast. How are you today, Clarkie? Yeah, pretty good. That was a, a very interesting um, yeah. introduction there. Maybe in 10 years we can make that um, occur, but yeah, uh, I suppose that remains to be seen. <laughs> very interesting choice to start up though, I, I like it. Yeah, just a little bit of a shake-up there. So today I'll be running things. Let's hope I don't run it into the ground. Let's get off with our first tackle all of the NRL news, starting off with James Seguiaro signing a one-year deal, one-year extension, I guess you could say, mm. with the Cronulla Sharks. Um, both of us thought this one was a bit odd. Of course, we've talked about James Seguiaro before, who we thought he was going to go to. I think the popular consensus with you was he was going to go to Parramatta. For me, I was more saying the Bulldogs. This one is definitely strange. Obviously, the Braley brothers are already there. You'd think Jaden Braley definitely starts for um, for Cronulla if fit in 2019. And I think Seguiaro would probably fit in as the second string hooker, probably coming off the bench for me with probably poor Blake Braley um, missing out. Uh, how do you see this going down, Clarky? You touched on Blake Braley there, um, Ozzo, and a lot of people don't know this. He actually broke his thumb in the trial game. Um, I don't believe the Sharks have made that information public, but he's out for three to eight weeks. Yeah. You have to imagine that will extend to closer to the full eight weeks as opposed to three. Given it is the start of the season, you don't want to risk a player like that early. Um, but yeah, a one-year deal with James Seguiaro. Obviously, you can't buy experience, you can't buy, yeah. fit that within the salary cap, it's got to be there, um, and James Seguiaro is certainly a player that is very experienced. One thing I want to get on the record, this whole talk of they've signed Seguiaro because of this first in, um, is the first out rule, that's just not a thing guys, that is a media beat up, there is in no way, and I'm not even certain of this, but I'm going on the record to say it, there is just in no way, I'm sure you'd have to agree Ozza, that there is a rule that says if you're the last player signed, you're out. And if so, yeah. the Melbourne Storm salary cap is exhausted. We'll touch on that later. I'm yeah. just going to bring it up now. Why would the Storm re-sign a player in Shandor Earl who has not played NRL for five years before they re-signed the best ever player, Cameron Smith? If that's not enough evidence as to that rule being completely false and a media beat up, um, I don't know what is. But overall, I'm pretty happy, and I'm very happy for Seguiaro. Uh, if anything, I'm surprised it took this long for someone to pick him up. Yeah, um, just to digress a little on the whole Melbourne Storm situation, of course, we'll get into more detail later. Mm. Um, it has been revealed, apparently, that Cameron Smith did come out and say that he told the club to get other contracts, na namely um, Cameron Munster's Correct. contract re-signed before talking to him. But we will get on to that later. Um, that's you know, the most we can pretty much say about Seguiaro. It's, you know, going to Cronulla, it's still sort of a safe deal. It's still sort of good. He will probably have um, some first-grade minutes left in him. Look, it probably won't be much different to last season. Um, so we move on to a new signing. Ethan Lowe has been granted his release from the North Queensland Cowboys former premiership winner to join the South Sydney Rabbitohs, aged 27. Now, I made sure I went through the Rabbitohs roster um, as I was writing my notes here to see sort of where he could fit into the squad. Personally, for me, I think he might start on the bench with maybe the likes of 
um, a Kyle Turner maybe starting ahead of him. I don't think he starts straight away. I think throughout the year um, he joins John Sutton in the second row. Um, so the question I pose to you is where do you see Ethan Lowe sort of fitting into this South Sydney Rabbitoh squad? He's definitely on the bench for me, Oliver. And the reason is, the reason he's struggled the last couple of years with the Cowboys, his confidence hasn't been there. Now, his confidence is going to be at an all-time high right now, certainly higher than it's been the last two years. He is the first legitimate NRL player Wayne Bennett has recruited whilst at the Rabbitohs. And obviously, Bennett has studied his game, guys. We know yeah. that for the last couple of years, the Cowboys and the Broncos have had an extended rivalry. I've got no doubt Wayne Bennett sat down with the other coaching staff and studied film on every single individual yeah. Cowboys player. He's obviously seen something he really liked in Ethan Lowe. They are lacking depth with Jason Clark and Angus Crichton leaving the club. Let's factor in also, guys, George Burgess is suspended for round one. That's another spot opening up for a forward there. Uh, I think Ethan Lowe surprises a lot of people. I think it is very dependent on his performance this weekend in the Charity Shield. But if he comes out and has a good game, I think he honestly goes a long way to grabbing that bench spot come round one for the Rabbitohs. Yeah, definitely. And another thing in Ethan Lowe's favour, um, we'll touch on it um, in a minute when we get to the topic, but uh, Billy Bretain, um, hang on, oh, sorry. I think I've got it mixed up here. Mm -hmm. Is it Team Brit or Billy Bretain at the Rabbitohs? Hang on. Well, there's two players there. Uh, I know Dean Britt is uh, a hooker there for them. Yeah, and then there's Billy Bretain. Okay, so Bretain's out with a concussion. I thought I might have spelled it wrong there. Do you know what? All right, yeah, so Bretain's out with a concussion, so that possibly opens up a spot there for um, Ethan Lowe. Had a bit of mind blank there, mm. but we are back onto it. Anyway, speaking of trial match injuries, look at that. It just goes straight in beautifully. We've got a few. Now, I've got them here. Obviously, we've got Viliami Kikau. Uh, right knee, that's going to be six weeks. We'll be back in round four. Mm. We've got Bretain out, obviously, as I said, with a concussion. Um, no confirmed sort of time frame there. we got Siama Fene how, how do you pronounce it properly? Siama Fenengo, I've, uh, it's I, I believe, and please don't quote this, but I believe it's Ava Siamunga Fenai. Siamunga Fenai. Uh, he's been playing for a few years now. Yeah, I mean, but it's just one yeah. of those names that uh, you'd hate to be a commentator when he takes a hit up, that's for sure. Yeah. So he's done his PCL. I think you were the one who told me this because I couldn't find anything. So I'm going off your, um, your sort of news there. Um, yeah, done his PCL so, six weeks, so probably round four as well. Yeah, and um, no surgery required there. Um, no surgery. No, just rehab. Yeah. We've also got Kurt Butch here with an ankle. Tommy Turbo, Tommy Trebojevic, um, hamstring. Looks like he'll be back round two. We've got uh, Tanganoa with a knee, Paseka with a knee, both. I've not been able to see um, any certain time frame there. We've got Tevita Pangai Jr., who had some hamstring soreness. However, he probably will be fine for round one. Um, just the two sort of talking points there. Um, Viliami Kikau and Tom Trevojevic, first of all. Viliami Kikau, how big of a loss is this for the Panthers? Well, it's huge. It's, it's huge for their regular season. But I think in terms of NRL finals and the fact we've seen the Panthers kicked out at the exact same stage the past three or four years, I think in some ways, and this is crazy to say, guys, because Big Billy is one of the best back rollers in the game, but I want to go on the record and say I think it benefits the Panthers. He has yeah. less time this year to focus on football. He comes back. Uh, it's not too much, but it is a little bit later in the season. 
it just it's just gives him that little bit of mental edge over his competitors that have also had to focus for another six or however many weeks um, earlier than that. Uh, my big question mark for Billy is where's his confidence at? Obviously, this is a continued knee injury. Uh, I believe this is the third time he's injured it. I'm not sure whether it's the same knee or a separate knee, but obviously injuries do take a toll mentally as well as they do physically. So the question is, where's his confidence at? Um, I certainly hope it's not affected because he is probably the most exciting back rower to watch in the competition. Yeah, definitely. I'd have to agree with that. Definitely, I guess, the back row of the most hype, I guess you could say, mm. at the moment. Definitely still a loss for Penrith, but someone who might be an even bigger loss for their side, let's be honest. Look, only... We're thinking he'll be back round two. Um, Tom Trevojevic, obviously Manly, we've discussed before, don't have a lot of depth. So yeah. this really affects them coming into round one. Um, but obviously, you know, a hamstring as well, that's an injury that can come back. Obviously, it's usually, you know, one of those niggling injuries where you recover from it, but you don't fully Absolutely. recover from it. There's still a bit of tenderness there always. So that's a bit sad for Tom Trevojevic, but I saw, it was on, it might have been Fox Sports News, it was one of the Fox shows mm. earlier in the week where they said, how funny is it that the game between the Sharks and the Seagulls got moved from Brookvale over to Shark Park and that injury has come about, and if you've seen the highlights, you'll see that that injury's come about probably, you know, from the way he turned on the turf. Um, some people are saying, well, maybe the, maybe the grass wasn't up to standard, so that's, I mean, it's possible, but that's something that um, that's mm. definitely interesting there with the game actually being moved from Brookvale Oval. Uh, we won't stay on that too much. Well, Up. we'll just quickly stop because you did touch on Manly having depth issues before. Yep. Um, this is pretty big, Oliver, because Des Hauser has a very tough decision now. Does he go with a safer, more tested NRL player, I suppose, in Brendan Elliott? Um, which to me, I mean, he'll get the job done, but you won't be getting too much out of him. Yeah. Or does he take a massive risk? Albert Hoppawati turned 18 yesterday, Oliver. He's now eligible for NRL. Does he take the yeah. risk and throw one of the biggest prospects coming through our game? Does he throw him straight into fullback? Is that fair? I mean, obviously we see a lot of fullbacks brought into the wing initially when they start NRL and gradually... Um, go to fullback, and that's obviously how players get the chance to develop and turn into some of the best fullbacks we have. We look at Tom Trevojevic, Roger Tuovasashek, that statement is true for both of them. What does Des do in your opinion? Do you go with a safer option, or do you take a, a, a massive gamble here? You either go with the safer safer option. I agree. Elliot, or... Um... You start Hoppawade on the wing, maybe move one of the wingers into fullback. However, I do think you still go with that safer option there. I mean, yeah, it, it's just yeah. common sense. When you start Hoppawade, you start him on the wing, just as you said. Completely agree with you there. Next, we are moving on to a bit of news about the New Zealand Warriors. Stephen Kearney has just re-signed for three years, which is a bit surprising to me for two reasons. One, he's re-signed before the season's even started. Two, three years is a long time for a coach in the NRL. For me, it's a bit of a risky move. Um, I guess you could say because he got the Warriors back to the finals for the first time since 2011 last year, it is warranted. However, um, I know both of us probably have the Warriors missing the eight in 2019. 
they're a team that will be in the fight. However, as well, we're going to get onto another point soon about uh, Isaac Luke. Mm. Um, obviously, the loss of Sean Johnson as well. We hope Adam Kieran or Chanel Harris Devita can come in and really, you know, make that role their own. Um, but things aren't looking too great for the Warriors, and you'd think that the board would at least wait till mid-season to maybe re-sign him and maybe not for three years. What's your opinion on all of this? I'll get on Steve Kearney in just one second, but I've just had come in then. Um, Kurt Wiltshire, it's an ACL and not an ankle. Donnie's ACL. There goes um, his season. Obviously, that's very disappointing for the Cowboys. Um, You know, he wasn't probably looking at much first-grade time, but depth is never an issue. And um, on Manly, real quick, with Tanganoa and Paseca succumbing to those knee injuries, their only NRL-tested players left on the bench is Winterstein and Parrott. They have no other forwards with NRL experience now. Yeah. So they're all, that's huge issues for Manly. Um, on to Steve Kearney. Sorry to go back there. I just had to bring that up. Obviously, pretty big news. For starters, three years. Um, as Gus Gould would say, no, 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 no. Uh, he has an overall win rate of 35% Ozza. That is yeah. not a win rate where you need to negotiate a three-year deal because other coaches are desperately going, we need to sign this coach. We really want to get Stephen Kearney to our club. That's not a win rate that any club is jumping at. Yeah. So this three-year deal makes him the longest-serving Warriors coach. That's great. I'm happy for him. But I don't think from a Warriors, I suppose, management perspective, that that's a very good idea at all. He, he, I mean, I believe they hadn't, they'd missed the finals the last seven years in a row. So he did something very special in taking them to the finals in 2018. Will he do it again? No, he won't. He just can't. With, without having a solid, established halfback there, I mean, name me the last time a team won with a non-established halfback, I think was like 2011 with Cherry Evans in his rookie year. He's obviously... However, sorry ahead. to jump in, but however, the team that they did beat in that grand final also had a non-established halfback playing for them. That was the Warriors with Sean Johnson. I've got to put it in there every there time. Go. I've just got to look at both sides of the argument. Exactly. And when you say that, that's certainly paints the picture again that you need to have an established half. Certainly there are exceptions. Rugby league is a crazy sport, but the general rule of thumb is you need to have some experience in your spine. Um, And another note on Kearney that I want to bring up, I mean, this is a very minor note, but the Warriors had never won the first five consecutive rounds in NRL history. He was the first man to do that at the club. Obviously not a huge note for many NRL teams. I'm sure I'd say majority have achieved that. Um, But it's another little tick in the box for Kearney. Uh, I think he deserved to be re-signed, three-year deal. I think that's poor management by the Warriors. Yeah, definitely um, that three-year deal does seem a little bit ridiculous as well. Mm. All right, now it's time for a little bit of rumor and innuendo. Excites me a little bit. Isaac Luke to the Eels. Now, obviously, there have been plenty of talks about this recently. Um, There's also been talks of the Warriors actually upgrading Isaac Luke's contract with a clause in it that he can leave the club at any point or something like that. I didn't read too much into it. However, this has come from the talks, obviously, about Isaac Luke going to the Eels. Yes. However, Parramatta have turned around and they've upgraded upgraded Reed Mahoney's contract to a first grade contract from a developmental contract that was supposed to end, I believe, next year, 2020. Mm. So 
this maybe suggests that they're backing Reid Mahoney a little bit more here, the Eels, and showing some intent to play Reid Mahoney. So, first of all, what I want to say, though, will Isaac Luke be a good fit at the Eels? Well, for starters, Isaac Luke would be a great fit at any NRL club. I don't think that's in question. Um, You touched on the contract there, so I'll break it down for you guys listening at home. The contract offered to Isaac Luke was, I believe, $150,000. He was on $500,000 or more before that. And obviously his 2018 form was pretty, it it was the best year he'd actually played at the Warriors. So you would think, if anything, he would maintain that contract level, not be reduced by over half. Um, But that's what happened. And that was due to their salary cap being exhausted. So what Isaac Luke's manager said, he said, look, we'll sign this one year deal, but we want a clause in that contract that says, if we get a better offer elsewhere or a longer term deal at another club, we're free to negotiate. Obviously, a word got to the eels that that contract clause exists, whether that was through Isaac Luke's manager or something internal at the Warriors. We don't know how the eels found that out, but the board did meet. They've discussed it. That's the latest update we have. We don't know um, whether it's going to eventuate or go too far, but can I just say, I just touched on the Warriors' poor mismanagement. I know you'll do everything you can to keep a player like Isaac Luke, but that is just a dumb contract. Uh, You were just asking for trouble when you inserted that clause. I mean, I know back-ended deals are becoming increasingly less and less popular, but surely this is a situation where you re-sign Luke for a two-year deal, one being on the 150K. You knew you weren't going to sign Sean Johnson past this year. Anyway, you told Sean Johnson that. That frees up a million dollars. So let's give Isaac Luke 150K this year, and let's give him, I don't care, 600 the next. We need this guy at our club. Uh, I mean, it's a tough one. If he does walk... The Warriors are well-equipped to obviously recover from that. They have three great young hookers, Carl Lawton being one, Nathaniel Roach being another, and Jazz Tavunga, the interchange player of the year, being yeah. the third. So they've got a lot of options there. Um, you touched on Reid Marnie there. I think regardless of the Isaac Luke talk, I think he had to be upgraded in this offseason. Okay. He looked pretty good in 2018. He looked like a first-grade player out there, and they do only have two... Um, notable hooker options at the club in case of Pritchard and Reed Marnie. So it did make sense to upgrade and extend him um, from a management perspective there. Yeah. Just something I want to add in at the end here. Why did the Eels not re-sign Cameron King in the first place? Yeah, that's a really tough one. Yeah. From what I can understand, Kingy wasn't asking for too much. Um, and, and there also wasn't a lot of interest for Kingy within the NRL, which I thought was very strange um he looks by all accounts over his social media he's loving it over in featherstone yeah it's only a one-year deal i think we see kingy back in the nrl sooner than later yeah and just to digress for a second on cameron king guys if you've got instagram go and follow your random act um this is cameron king's sort of secondary instagram account where he uploads um images of nrl players doing good deeds within the community and we really need someone like this doing that because mainstream media is not going to do so and this is how we expose the good deeds that nrl players do so on to our second tackle now our trial game is pointless so obviously we talked about the injuries before before and obviously if there wasn't any trial games um injuries like billy kicker and tommy turbo wouldn't occur for me in a sense at the moment they are pointless i think we need a better structure to the trial games um 
and probably maybe playing like a mini preseason tournament or something like that. I don't know how you do it. Maybe, you know, the Panthers, Eels, Bulldogs and Tigers playing a little Western Sydney um, sort of knockout tournament, I guess you could say, um, you know, for the Western Sydney Cup or something like that. Because, I mean, at the moment, um, obviously players are getting injured. Um, teams are backing out of trial games. Of course, the Panthers were supposed to versus the Roosters. However, they ended up versing the Rabbitohs. I think, you know, it's the fact that it's up to the clubs to decide it, um, where they're going to play, um, you know, when they're going to play. It's it's a bit stupid to me, I believe. You know, we see, need something more set. I know the AFL has the JLT Community Series, which I'm not sure if that's kicked off yet. It either has or it's about to kick off, where, you know, it's set. And I think it's governed by the AFL, but... um. What do you think? Are trial games pointless at this point in time? All right, I'm going to have to hold you here for a second, Oliver, because I got uh, this is something that um, I, I prepared a little earlier, a couple notes. Beautiful. Um, I got to go on the record right now and say to all our viewers at home, trial games at this stage, this stage, are pointless. The only real benefit a trial game serves is regional fans get to watch a live NRL game. That's the only major purpose. Should that be the only major purpose? No, because we should be taking more NRL games regional, giving these fans an opportunity to watch not just a trial game, but an actual full-fledged competition game within the NRL. We need some sort of summer competition. Whether there's a cash prize tournament or it is split up into little segments like you said, you just touched on there, the Western Sydney. We can have the Queensland we can have the uh, ACT Melbourne Warriors and another team play in you know, an external whatever competition. Yep. It can be split up or it can be one, but there needs to be a big cash prize incentive. There needs to be a reason teams want to play their best players in this. And I mean, if the Nines isn't here to stay, the NRL needs to come out and tell us. They need this, not just the fans, but the NRL clubs and Maybe they're not because they are working on something like this in the background. We don't know that. But they need to be upfront with the nines. Obviously, we have the world nines, but we don't know whether the Auckland nines or the yeah. NRL nines, whatever you want to call it, is here to stay. And if it's not, what's it? What's its replacement, guys? That's a big part of our summer entertainment gone. Uh, what's going on there? I mean, the primary purpose of a trial game, it seems... It's no longer to see where your first grade side is at, what you need to work on. It's to trial your younger players and players that are on the cusp of NRL. Now, Oliver, we have a competition for that. In fact, we have three competitions for that. It's called Harold Matz, Jersey Flag, and Intrust Super Premiership. Now, I understand the primary purpose of reserve grade isn't that, but it's definitely a, you know it's definitely a big purpose. You don't just play your players in reserve grade and forget about them. The coaching yeah. staff are constantly monitoring how they're performing there before they move up to the NRL. I think where trial yeah. games currently sit, the level and the standard of players we get to see, I definitely think that they're an outdated fixture within our game, and I would like to see it replaced by some sort of summer competition. I don't have the answer to that, but I'm not paid enough money to have the answer to that. Give me a couple hundred thousand dollars NRL. Yeah. Give me one of your contracts and um, I'll have you a pretty good competition up and running in no time. Beautiful. Uh, I guess to put it simply, we don't want to watch NRL games anymore that aren't played for something. We want the teams to actually be going for some type of prize, cash incentive, trophy, whatever. We want them playing competitively for something. 
Third tackle now. We're halfway through the set. Promotion and relegation now. Um, this has been touched on a little bit. And pretty much one article that was released, um, it was either by the NRL or Fox League. It was an interview with David Perry, the North Sydney Bear CEO, who I interviewed myself. Um, lovely fella. Great, great bloke. Um, and look, he talked about, you know, maybe North Sydney coming back into the NRL. And he sort of digressed a bit and talked about, you know, possibly promotion and relegation being brought into the NRL. Now, he was for this. Now, he mentioned how he would love if at the next meeting for the 2023 broadcasting um, TV rights deal, if uh, there was something agreed on about promotion and relegation. Obviously, this is just any sort of speculating. Maybe that... Maybe that might be one of the issues, not issues, one of the potential initiatives that is brought up at the new at the meeting about the TV rights deal. So if this was to happen, um, the NRL and their broadcasting partners would have to agree on promotion and relegation being introduced. And if it was introduced, it would be introduced in 2023. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about whether or not we think promotion and relegation fits in the game. But first of all, uh, we're going to talk about if promotion and relegation was introduced, under what format. Now, for me personally, I think we shorten the first grade competition. So we've got 16 teams at the moment. You shorten that to 12. Second division, you've got 12 as well. For me, the second division isn't played with a final series or whatever. It's, you know, the first team are the premiers, whoever finishes first, because with promotion and relegation, it can't really work any other way. We would see, I would say... 11th and 12th, so last and second last in the NRL, automatically relegated. First and second, automatically promoted from the second division. We would see 10th, so third last from the NRL, playoff with the third place in the second division in a match where the winner would be in the NRL, the loser would drop down. Obviously, that game is you know sort of similar to what the Super League has at the moment with the million-dollar game, which generally garners a lot of attention and is very popular amongst fans. So I'm, I'm trying to replicate that here, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, how would you format this if promotion and relegation was 100% in the NRL? How would you like to see it play out? Well, I can't disagree with anything you just said. I think the format you just brought up is realistically the only fair format for every team. If you perform crap, you get relegated. Yeah. If you perform pretty crap but not super crap, you got one last chance and vice versa on the other side of the coin. I don't see another situation where we can fairly relegate or promote teams, but I've got to say, this just won't work yet. I don't even think this will be ready by 2023. I don't think this will be ready before 2050, to be honest, because the game, it's not the National Rugby League yet, Oliver. It's still, in a lot of ways, the New South Wales Rugby League competition. I mean, you can look at that whichever way you want. And I'm a Queenslander, so there's no bias coming here when I say that. It's just simply facts. The majority of the competition is still in New South Wales. We need, yeah. uh, you know, people laugh at the idea when, and I know certainly people have done this too, when you mention a South Australia team, they laugh at the competition, uh, the idea, sorry, and they say that'll never work in this competition. Well, it has to. But at what stage do people stop laughing at that and recognize that, we need to become the National Rugby League. Yeah. We need teams in Darwin. We need teams in Perth. We need teams in South Australia. We probably don't need yeah, a Tassie definitely. team. Sorry to our Tassie viewers. Um, but, you know, certainly we, we need to become national before we even consider this. And my main, yeah. I suppose, evidence behind this is 
In 2018, the Canterbury Bulldogs won the state challenge, and of course, they obviously won the Intrust Super Premiership in New South Wales. There's just no way that promotion could work. How can the Bulldogs have two teams in the National Rugby League? Yeah. That adds so much room for tampering. Um, obviously, you know, they have a game they know they can't win against the Storm or they think they're very unlikely to win. You know, you play the crap Bulldogs players or the lower Bulldogs players against the star Storm team, for example. And I'm not saying the Bulldogs players are crap now. I'm saying if, if this was to occur yeah. in the next 10 years or whatever, you're obviously going to chop and change your teams to suit your fixture, giving you a massive upper edge against the rest of the competition. Until we yeah. become national, I just don't see a way to do this. And I also think the issue is, obviously we have in the New South Wales Cup, the Warriors have a feeder team. The yeah. Bulldogs have a feeder team. I don't believe there is any feeder teams directly with an NRL name in the Queensland Intrust Super Premiership. No. That's what needs to happen in the New South Wales um, reserve okay. grade competition there before we realistically even consider this happening. And, and it can't happen right now. It just simply can't because the Bulldogs have all 30 of those reserve grade players on a contract. Yep. Unless the NRL wants to pay out all those players and say, well, too bad, go find a club elsewhere. This is what we want to do. And I'm sure majority of them will be picked up. That's still a fair chunk of money that the um, NRL are going to have to spend to pay out these players to make this initiative ever occur. So I'm going to go on the record and say we don't see this until at least after 2050. Um, the Set of Six podcast, Oliver, will be up to episode, let's go, 1,167. That's when we'll yeah. be discussing this happening. And it'll be live on Fox League. There you go. Put out yeah. the bid now, guys. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, just to quickly digress. I Digress. Sorry, that's not the word I'm looking for. Got to get me words right. Um, just to quickly add, I guess you could say, for me, I sort of agree with it. Definitely not by 2023 or not ready. Maybe before 2050. Um, I like the idea eventually. Uh, we need time, though. We need time to cut all ties with feeder clubs. We need to make a united second competition not straight away promotion or relegation but get that second division sorted um maybe merge the two comps um and obviously if you're cutting all ties with feeder clubs some of them are going to go down let's be honest however some of them will thrive i think clubs such as i think it's the sunshine coast falcons and the redcliffe dolphins have the money to be an nrl club yep they've just not won the bid yeah the stadiums they've got um great great stadiums at the moment as well um, not huge stadiums, but definitely quality stadiums. Um, so teams like that will be fine. Um, and I guess, it, I know it sounds bad, but it would be good for some of those teams dropping out because that makes it easier to make a team competition. Mm. Um, after that, then you introduce promotion relegation eventually. The reason why you don't do it straight away as well is because of the fans. Majority of the fan base now, obviously, we're two young whippersnappers, you know. Um, however... There's still the older generation that is going to be well against this. Obviously, I could go to my father right now and say to him, hey, Dad, what do you think of promotion and relegation coming into the NRL? He might have a few choice words for me, you know what I mean? Um, mm. We just have to wait. And I'm, I'm not saying wait till all the old generation are dead, but wait wait till the majority of NRL fans are us, you know, the, the younger generation, we can all get behind this because it will be exciting and it might bring crowds back a bit. Um, you know, as I said, that playoff game between the third last team in the NRL and the third team in the second division, you know, when they when they play off, you know, that'll 
sell out. You know what I mean? That'll be massive. No doubt. And, um, and it builds rivalries, which also builds interest in crowd numbers. Definitely. And within the second division, you know, if two teams, they're fighting for the top spots, people are going to go to those games because they want to see their team get relegated. Bloody hell, if, and I'm using this because it's the two teams I've got coming last and second last in the NRL next year. If Manly and Para are versing each other and they're last and second last in the NRL, they don't want to get relegated. People are going to come to the games and try and cheer on their team so that they don't get relegated. So I think yes, but not 2023. Definitely not. Now for our fourth tackle. Clarkie, you've been a busy man over the past couple of days. Clarkie has been interviewing a lot of NRL players, a lot of young stars coming up as well, which is great to see. Just going to quickly read out their names here for you, just so you sort of have an idea of who Clarkie has interviewed. We've got Stephen Masters, Blake Laurie, Adam Kieran, Kader Ellis, Ronaldo Malatalo, Jordan Pereira, Josh Kerr, Shandor Royal, We've got Daniel Vasquez, um, Darren Nichols, Jerome Luai, Jaden Akunan. Ockenbaugh. <laughs> you're close i just want to say right now if i've got any of these wrong i'm sorry i'll probably i'll probably get more wrong ryan sutton max king shanzi nickel Klotstad, of course the new um camber raiders uh, camber raiders signing shanna Earl, darren nichols reese robson billy walters elliot whitehead uh manise fainu a good friend of yours um christian welch and Lachlan Burr, that is 21 different people. Mm. First of all, I want to ask, how many, you know, brews of coffee did you have to get through all of those? And second of all, how was the experience? You know, how, how was it all organised? How did it, you know, did you have fun doing it? Yeah. I, I'm just going to hand over to you to explain the whole thing. Sure. So, uh, firstly, you touched on saying names wrong. Uh, one thing, Man- Man- Manes Fenenu, um I just said his name in between what it is. So he's been t- he told me all the commentators are saying his name wrong. His proper pronunciation is Manasi Fainu. Obviously, Manasi everyone's, Fainu. Just, everyone's just calls him Manase Fainu, but it's Manasi Fainu. Um, yeah. And he's like, every time he gets interviewed, he's like, oh, I just don't want to tell him, like, that's not how you say my name. So I've just gone with it. And I was like, oh, man, that's an awkward situation. Cups of coffee. Um, I think about five. It was done over two days, and and it was all yeah. based around the preseason, the off season, what the players have been working on, what the club's focus is, questions like that. Um, so I mean, at times it was tough, I guess, to not maintain my focus, but maintain, I suppose, the same intensity, um, because I was obviously asking similar questions. Um, I, I think you'll notice one thing I took out of the experience is at the start you'll notice I was a little bit nervous, a little bit starstruck, a little bit hesitant, yeah. very doubtful in myself. Um, however, if you watch if you watch the first one, it was Stephen Masters, guys, and you watch the last one, which was Lachlan Burr. I found myself grow with confidence, which allowed me to sort of be myself. And then I stopped doubting myself and more, and more realized like that, you know, these guys are, are just human beings at the end of yeah. the day. Um, but, but for myself, certainly being such a big rugby league fan, I was a little bit starstruck at times and perhaps that um, affected my output I suppose but really great experience um, and certainly building bridges for potentially the next phase um, and moving into some sort of career with this one thing that did come out of it Oliver um, the New Zealand Warriors media manager messaged me and I thought wow um, is this a job opportunity obviously I went straight to some positive stuff but he's actually a little bit upset with me um, for not going through him to organize players with the Warriors. 
and I was like, look, um, obviously, I don't mean any disrespect by this man, but I don't know who you are. So how could I have gone through you? Yeah. Um, and, and that's another thing I learned, I suppose. Some media managers really like to justify their role and their job at the club. You know, they're, oh, you can't speak to my players without me. And then other media managers are smart enough to realize that, look, this Clarkie's column is obviously semi-professional, at least I would say. It's not amateur hour anymore. It's not dirty rumors about players sleeping with other players, etc. It's a football <laughs> column where the questions I ask are going to be of a professional football-related nature. So yeah. overall, really great experience and... um really enjoyed the last couple of days and they're all on my Facebook or YouTube if you're interested in watching a couple. Yeah, definitely. And if you're an NRL player watching this and you want to be interviewed by Clark or myself, just uh, swing us a message, swing us a DM on Instagram. Um, and also just on what you were saying about the players being human beings, that's what a lot of people seem to forget these days. You know, you see players get harassed or whatever on the street, you know, and it, it can get them into trouble, paint them in a bad light. That's a great thing about the NRL, though. Now, you're 100% probably not going to get LeBron James's phone number and just call him up, say, how are you going, LeBron, have an interview with him. However, you know, it's obviously still unlikely, but, you know, there's a chance that, you know, Cameron Smith, you could ring him up and have a chat if he was, if he was friendly with you. So that's good to see within the NRL. The NRL is sort of, I guess, moving in the direction of the NBA and stuff with players getting paid more money, mm. becoming more... Like LeBron James, unfortunately, you know, great guy, whatever, great basketball player. He's more of a celebrity than an NBA player. Tom Brady is more seen as a celebrity than um, the New England Patriots quarterback. You know what I mean? I mean, That's John right. Cena's just moved from being you know, a full-time professional wrestler to being a movie star, just like Dwayne The Rock Johnson was. You know, they're moving into being full-time celebrities and you know nothing wrong with that however it, it means that interaction with fans or people like ourselves we're, we're still fans of the game you know um it's harder to have that interaction and still interview or whatever um but you know the fact look you've just got 21 players that you've just interviewed and uh, had a chat to them over the phone and that's great to still see within the game we move on now to our fifth tackle the salary cap, that's what I've got it here. Mm -hmm. Salary cap. Got the Cronulla Sharks uh, fined 500k. Well, not officially, Wigley. not officially. Um, that's Allegedly. Uh, well, that, that's the report from Fox Sports. There's no yep. official clarification there. And as you said, in the media, you can attach the word allegedly and say anything you want. So um, yeah. I well, allegedly do have LeBron James' phone number. Hmm. Just to go back to your last yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll probably let you more take over our research and you've actually got some columns on your page about the upcoming uh, sort of issues. So go, Clarkie's NRL column, check those out. So first of all, Cronulla Sharks. What are you What are you hearing from there, Clarkie? Sure. So not hearing anything in myself relating to the Sharks. The only thing I've heard about the Sharks as of recent is they were looking to announce some sort of sponsorship by the end of this week. Um, we don't know, I don't know if that's official or where it's going to go ahead, but I will read out a short column uploaded yesterday. Fox Sports is reporting that Cronulla Sharks are staring down the barrel. That was a direct quote. I'm not sure whether that means set or is or staring down the barrel. I mean, we can take it as we read it. It's pretty finalized. Um, of a salary cap penalty 
of $500,000 after the NRL's investigation has uncovered multiple breaches. Reportedly, the breaches have been found on Sharks' computers that were forensically examined. We know their computers have already been examined because that's how Shane Flanagan got sacked. They found yep. the emails on their computers. I'm assuming they found stuff to do with the salary cap on them also. What we do know is the Cronulla Sharks are set to fight whatever punishment is handed down and the board has already met regarding this. Are they meeting because they know they're screwed or are they meeting because they want to be pro and, and be ahead of whatever may happen again? Um, we don't know that. Um, I do stress, guys, that that's not my report. All that information is via Fox Sports. Um, and yep. it is terrible news for the Sharkies, if true. I guess the biggest question mark over over this whole thing is, if this is imposed, is this the end of the Sharks? Obviously, there's so much speculation about them moving to Perth, whatever. I'm going to say no. I mm-hmm. think that that's not going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back because they've already been through so much. I think there's yep. not much that can really derail the Sharks at this stage, given how much adversity they've had to face. Uh, again, I need to see this happen or play out or the fine actually be imposed, see where the club's sort of at before giving a finalized answer on that. Um, but I guess for me, and something I'll ask you is, if this 500k is removed from their salary cap space, we can almost assume that they don't have that remaining in their cap. I would say they're pretty close to being exhausted. Yep. For me, Gallon has to retire. He has to make a decision given he's the one club man and he needs to make a selfless decision to retire for that club for the better moving forward of the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, it's not fair to Gallon. I'm not saying it's fair to Gallon at all, guys. I'm not portraying that message at all. It's completely unfair. Yeah. It's, it's a selfish move by the Sharks. But it's a selfless decision I think Gallon has to make. Otherwise, you look at potentially moving on. Well, they've just signed him. James Seguiaro, Sosia Fecky. There were talks of Sean Johnson. I mean, probably won't happen. I think that's speculation. You don't sign someone for a million dollars and move them on unless you're the Bulldogs and it's Aaron Woods. Um, Well, he wasn't on a million, but he was on a fair um, large chunk of coin there. Um, the only other option I see here viable for the Sharks, I'm sure you'd have to agree, is Josh Dugan moving on. He's on 750. Yeah. That would clear that up. Obviously, Bronson Sherry, or Zeri, um, however you want to pronounce it, he slots straight into that center spot there, or even Aaron Gray does. They've got options there. Yeah. Um, Dugan has shown over the past couple of years to be a little bit injury prone. So for that reason, I don't think they're able to move him on for the full 750K. I think they're able to maybe move him on and still pay 250k i don't know too many teams that have 500k lying around that would want to sign dugan but he is the sort of player that once he hits the open market teams make adjustments they make smaller players move on the dominoes start to fall if you will um, for a player that is a former australian representative player to me they're the three options guys so again Seguiaro, Sasai Feki, and other smaller name players get moved on, whether that's to Super League, wherever. Um, Gallon retires. I think that's most likely. I don't want that to happen, though. Um, or Josh Dugan gets moved on for a price tag of 500k with the Sharks paying 250 of his salary. So one third. Pretty good pickup for another NRL club. Anything yep. further you can add to that? Is there any other viable situations you see for the Sharks if... If this proves true, and it's a big if at this stage, guys. We're, we're realistically just speculating here. Um, 
there's no 100% certainty this is set to occur. You've pretty much said everything. Um, yeah. I'd have to agree with literally everything that you've said. Um, you know, Paul Gallen, don't worry, guys. Don't feel sorry for him. If he does have to retire, He he's going to make a nice little boxing career fighting Sonny Bill Williams. Mm, no um, and he probably makes a fair bit of money off it anyway, so he'll be all right. Well, yeah, I'd say he earns more money off. If he, if he fought three yeah. boxing fights a year, I'd say he earns more, more money than an NRL contract, especially yeah. if one of those is SBW. Oh, yeah. All righty. So just quickly, a couple quick um, salary cap issues. We are probably probably over the hour mark by now, so we'll we'll try and hurry through this or we'll be near about the Dragons. 45, we're at 45 minutes. 45. Oh, shorter than I thought. Mm. Anyway, still, let's, let's get with the Kraken or whatever that is. Sure. All right. The Seagulls and the Dragons. Now, they, are, they will be receiving salary cap dispensation for... Jack DeBellin and Dylan Walker, obviously, we're not going to touch on what's going on with them. You guys know already. Now, the issue I have with this, and everyone that I've spoken with so far has with this, if the Dragons and the Seagulls acquire new players for their respective positions, and then both players are proven not guilty, they come back, Jesus Christ, now we're over the salary cap. You know, we've got two people in the same position. What the hell are we going to do here especially with a team like the seagulls who are suffering some financial restrictions at the moment so that's my take on it what do you think of this whole situation my take on it is it's not up to the nrl to manage players off field behavior it's up to the individual club it's up to the nrl to sanction penalties for yep. whatever may happen off the field it's not the nrl's issue here guys if players want to muck up and, and Certainly some of the allegations made against the players are serious, want to have serious issues. I understand football is football. And, you know, in some regards, maybe the media should let them have their own personal life and leave them alone in that respect. But the things that are alleged here are illegal for you, Oliver. They're illegal for me. And they're illegal to every single one of you watching. Just because you're a football star, you are not by any means, you know, spared from the law. And that's, yep. take it as it's read, guys. It's as simple as that. There's no issue primarily if the NRL does decide to give them salary cap relief. There's no issue there. The issue, as you said, comes when the player is found not guilty. Does that salary cap, I suppose, assistance there from the NRL, does that remain? Do you lose that? And in, in so what happens to the player? Does he just become a free agent? Yeah. If this is to happen, have the NRL actually thought out the entire process? Because we're hearing up to $600,000 for Jack DeBellin from the Dragons if he stood down permanently. Six hundred k is enough to sign, as we just said, Josh Dugan. Obviously, he plays a different position, but he's a high-profile player. That's enough to sign a former Australian representative player to the club. Yep. And then if this player is found not guilty... There's just so many hurdles that need to be jumped here and so many question marks as to what yeah. actually is going to occur. The salary cap isn't as flexible as other sports. I know in the NBA, you're able to pay luxury yeah. tax, etc., like that to the NBA to have a star-studded roster. We look at the Golden State Warriors. They pay, and the Houston Rockets, they pay an exorbitant amount of salary cap tax. We don't have that in the NRL. We don't have a flexible salary cap. The salary cap is hard, set in stone. You cannot go, 
or you can go left any way you want, but you cannot go right any further than a certain point. So we're just not equipped as a sport for this sort of exemptions and salary cap assistance to occur just yet. Um, would I be opposed if it did come in? No, but I want to see some proper outlined for the fans and for the sponsors and for the clubs, a clear doctrine that states the rules and regulations surrounding yep. the assistance. Yep. This especially worries me because Manly is one of the teams involved. Obviously, already have the financial situation, the restrictions, whatever at the moment. It's for the club. I'm looking at this from Manly's point of view. Mm. They would be hoping, they'd be getting this money, and I know it sounds bad, they'll be hoping he's found that Dylan Walker's found guilty because if not, he comes back, you have two players you've got to pay money to. Um, you'll be over the salary cap again. You know, it, it's sort of, it's a risky, the NRL is risking Manly right now, and it's all circumstantial. If Dylan Walker, if so they receive this money, Great, they've got you know a lot of money. This frees up a bit of that financial restrictions. Go and get yourself some depth players, for God's sakes. Um, if Dylan Walker's found not guilty, that's actually a lot of trouble for Manly. Mm-hmm. A lot of trouble. If he's found guilty, Manly are back up there with the other sides. They're able to buy players. You know, they're back up there with everyone else. It's a massive risk. For Manly. I'm just looking at Manly here specifically. It's a massive risk. Yeah, talk- I mean, you'd have to be worried as a Manly fan because we know Des Hasler does love to yeah. take risks, whether that's back-ended deals or um, anything, really. He's a coach that isn't afraid to take a risk. Even if we go to the 2014 Grand Final, something as small as he took the risk of getting the club fined for not entering the field on time because, quote-unquote, the club wanted to unsettle the rabbit hose. Um, we know that backfired because they lost the premiership and then yep. they got a heavy fine for de- the delay of game. So um, he's a man that loves risks and this is a risk that can go very sour for the Seagulls and not just potentially derail 2019, but I would say derail them for at least the next, let's go, three years, I would say. It could realistically see Manly exit the competition if it's bad enough. Mm. There were already talks of you know, other consortiums looking to buy Manly. There was talks of North Sydney looking to buy Manly. And, you know, if this happens, it's still a possibility. In five Bears, you know, Daly Cherry Evans playing for the North Sydney Bears in the NRL. Mm, certainly a lot anyway, of questions to be answered there. Definitely. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to you for this next one because you've sort of compiled of players here. Okay. Now, Melbourne could, 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 could. It's rumoured, whatever, speculation, Chuck up all those words, not confirmed. Could be in a bit of salary cup trouble themselves and may have to release some players. Now, you have compiled a bit of a list or you've sort of gone through who realistically Melbourne could release um, whilst not losing too much star power, however, releasing enough for them to be back under the cap. Who who are we talking here? Okay, so straight away, um, again, this isn't my report, guys. It's not Oliver's report. It's... Triple M NRL, the radio station, and a guy that reports to them called Dobbo. Um, yep. he, he's been wrong before this offseason. Um, he could be wrong again here, but he's reporting at this stage the Storm are $600,000 over the salary cap. I'm disputing that. Um, I'm disputing that because I, I don't believe the NRL would have registered Cameron Smith's contract 
if they were indeed going to be put 600000 over the salary cap. The, you cannot sign a player and go over the salary cap and have the NR, and promise the NRL, sorry, oh, but we're going to get rid of players. No, you, they will not register the contract. It's as simple as that. Um, and I'm going through the comments of my thing now. Um, certainly, there's a lot of hate being thrown towards um, the Triple M radio station. They don't um, believe it's true. And as I, as I just said there, guys, the NRL would not approve a contract if it pushed the club 600K over the salary cap. They can't. By the letter of the law, they can't. That's it, it, not how the, the NRL works. It's not how the salary cap works. And it leads me to believe this report is false. But okay. we do know that their salary cap is heavily exhausted. It's at brinking point. A boiling point, sorry, is, is the word I'm looking for there. So who goes? What happens? Well, straight away, you go through the Melbourne Storm roster and you realize they have a lot of young guns locked up long term. They've worked hard to re-sign them on those deals for less of money than they're worth. They're not going to release them. On the other side of the coin, they have a lot of star players such as Cameron Munster, Cameron Smith. They're not going to release them. Nelson Osofa, Solomona, Jesse Bromwich being others. Then we go to the, I suppose you can say, middle ranking players at their club such as Dale Finucane, um, Curtis Scott, let's go Vunavalu. Let's go Josh Adokar. He's probably to the higher end. But again, they're players that are not going to be released. Then we go to the lower tier players they have. And they're all very impressive in the lower grades. We're thinking of Scott Drinkwater. We're thinking of Ryan Pappenhausen. We're thinking of, I mean, in some ways, Jerome Hughes still, Brody Croft still. They're not going to release them. I can't find many solutions here for the Melbourne Storm. Now, one solution that was thrown out was Christian Welch. He was the 18th man for Origin last year, Game 3. Obviously, he's been a part of the Queensland Maroons emerging squad for the past couple of years. He's a very, very good player from the Brisbane area. But he confirmed to me yesterday, he's not looking to leave the Storm. So much so, he, I, I when I initially put up the post, I had, it's unlikely he will leave the Storm. He asked me to edit that and say he will not leave the Storm. So there's your answer for Christian Welch, guys. He is off contract at the end of this year. I think the Cowboys look at him. I think that's a... But that, that doesn't solve the 2019 cap, guys. That solves the 2020 cap. There's nothing that can solve the 2019 cap here besides three players. And we already know they've been identified for a long time. Yep. Patrick Kafusi. No NRL team's going to pick him up. I'm sorry. He hasn't pl- no. doesn't have enough experience. He's been on the border of making an NRL a consistent spot for too long now for an NRL club to pick him up. He went to Melbourne from the Cowboys, and let's be real, his little brother's rise in form, Felice Kafusi, was a big part of that. Yep. Sam Cassiano. Where to for Sam? Because we know how damaging he can be, but we also know how inconsistent and how poor and lazy yeah. he can be. Does a team take a risk with Sam? Yes. Yeah. I think uh, the Eels. I think the Eels have to take that risk, Oliver, and I'm sure you'd agree. They're very thin yeah. in the middle. He's a good fit at that club. Yeah. We go to Chase Blair. Yep. Do you see any likely NRL team that wants Chase Blair, or do you think it has to be Super League? Um, not really. I see Super League written all over him. It's the only thing. Which leads us to one other player which I think the Storm could potentially part with. Certainly don't think they will, guys. I'm putting a big could here. 
Will Chambers, Queensland yeah. Maroons centre. Obviously, we saw his form drop in 2018. Do the Storm take a gamble and release their representative centre, given they do have Shandorrell, they do have Justin yep. Holm, they do have Ryan Pappenhausen, they do have a lot of talented outside backs sitting there. Will Chambers, ladies and gentlemen, is on $700,000. Was his form in 2018 worth that, Ozza? No. Not at all. Not at all. Um, it's a tough call for the Storm to make, but I think of all the options, the one that is going to free them completely, get them well under the salary cap, give them the option to start re-signing players as well, is Will Chambers. Again, guys, Christian Welch not leaving. Chase Blair, Patrick Kafusi, maybe Super League. Sam Cassiano, maybe the Eels take a risk. Maybe he goes back to the Bulldogs. We know he does love that club. Whether Dean Pay would have him or not, or whether they could realistically even afford to make yeah. another signing, we don't know. So, yep. so that that's where the storm are at. Um, as far as my research um, can take us, I suppose. Yeah, all right. Well, moving on to our sixth and final tackle. It is Ask Kenty. Of course, throughout the show, you guys have been sending in your questions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So now, Kenty, mate, what have you got to say? No, obviously not. The sixth tackle, we will be looking at the upcoming trial matches. Starting off with the New Zealand Warriors up against the West Tigers at Wangarai. I believe it is pronounced, just letting you guys know it as well, for a lot of these trial games, no team lists have been announced, so we won't be delving through the team list. First of all, Warriors first Tigers. Now, I'm sort of bringing this point back in because we forgot to talk about it in the news section when I was meant to. Um, just quickly, Adam Kieran or Chanel Harris-DeVita should obviously be playing in this game. However, in 2020, um, I believe it's George Williams is rumoured. Um, current, I think, uh, Wigan Warriors player, English international, rumoured to be going to the club. We're not going to talk much on that, unfortunately, um, but I thought I just had to get it in there. However, back to this. Um, you know, obviously, it's a bit hard to speculate on these trial games because we don't have the team list. However, you've compiled, I think it's three points for each game you for each game you want to go through. So I'm going to let you take the wheel here and um, sort of talk about these games, starting off with the Warriors and the Tigers. Mm, obviously, um, George Williams, obviously that's yep. a very loose rumour there, guys. But I am interested to see how young halves like Chanel Harris-Tavita, Hayes Perriman, Adam Kieran respond to realistically the first external pressure from the media within their careers, yeah. I would say. How do they take, you know, turning on the news and hearing that the Warriors are interested in another half after they've only had one trial game with the club. Um, yep. That's interesting, certainly, to see how all three of them re uh, respond. On a player that I'm watching for the Tigers, in particular, I'm looking at Moses Embai. Obviously, given the captainship yep. this year, um, his first full preseason with the club, I sort of want to see, does he ease into this captainship um, transition, or does he hit the floor running and really lead by example? Maybe some vintage... Moses Mambo, well, not even vintage. I mean, we're only going back one or two years there. Um, and my third one is, how did the Tigers' attack look under Michael Maguire? Obviously, towards the end of his time at, at the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the attack was boring, the attack was predictable, and the Rabbitohs had a terrible year as a result. Yeah. We know how, how much potential the Rabbitohs team had because they finished in the top four the very next year with a rookie coach. What sort of attacking style does he bring to the Tigers? Because typically we saw the Tigers last year heavily focused on defense. We saw them win games 8-6. to six. 
Yeah. So I'm interested how how the Tigers, I suppose, whole game plan and game style has evolved under a premiership winning coach that did have his own struggles towards the end of his last coaching tenor at another club. Yep. Um, the Knights versus the Sharks in Maitland next. Just want to give a quick shout out. Got family living in Maitland. Absolutely beautiful place is Maitland up there in Newcastle, the Hunter Valley. Clarkie, take us away. The Knights versus the Sharks. Well, first of all, I think every single rugby league fan's watching a certain man in the halves and how he plays. And I'm sure you can probably take a guess as to who I'm going to say next, guys. It's not Mitchell Pearce. Um, it's Kalen Ponga. We're all fixated and wanting to see his development and how he develops into a 5'8". So I think we're all going to have a lot of eyes on KP. Obviously, he had a pretty good try assist there, linking up with Lockie Fitzgibbon against the Dragons. Um, and I was pretty impressed with what I saw from KP. A big difference from what we saw in the All-Stars game. Um, as Ozra and I said last week, you can attribute that to being outside or inside, sorry, a genuine premiership winning halfback, Mitchell Pierce, not yep. another fullback in Jerome Hughes. Next one, let's go to the Sharkies. I'm looking at Bronson Sherry. He's got yep. a length of the field try um, in his first half against the... Who did they first last week? The Manly Seagulls. Um, and I missed the first quarter, guys. Obviously, if you guys follow my column, you know I was taking notes heavily through the game, trying to flick through and watch different quarters of every game to give you guys a little taste of everything I could. Yep. Um, but the first thing I said when I when I clicked onto that game, Oliver, was, oh, and Bronson Jerry's had a huge first quarter. Hasn't he impressed? Yeah. So obviously he had a very good game. Um, and you've... You just to interject a bit, you've always had big raps on Ronson Jerry, haven't you? Even before the trial games. Absolutely. I think one of the yeah. most biggest questions I've had, and probably because of the rise of popularity in fantasy and super coaches, who is the best rookie coming through? I've always acknowledged I don't think Jerry will start round one. I think Josh Morris and Josh Dugan have to be there. They're former Australian representatives. But, I mean, he's shown already. Given his chance, he's going to shine. But the biggest question mark isn't Bronson Sherry. It's Sean Johnson. Does he play? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to yeah. that. I don't know whether John Morris wants to risk, obviously, their million-dollar man. Um, I think he has to play at least one trial, at least a half, before the season starts. So if Johnson plays, I'm excited to see how he's um, settled into the Sharks. Yeah, I'd also like to see Kyle Flanagan probably get a bit more of a go, and he's probably during um, during the trial games, especially because now, obviously, the re-signing of James Seguiara, you'd think he's that utility off the bench mm. for the Sharks. But obviously, young Kyle Flanagan, of course, possible causes in the contract, whatever that seem, leave the club along with his dad, we don't know. But I'd like to see Kyle Flanagan get a bit of a run too. No doubt. Alrighty, so was that all for the Night Sharks? Yeah, yeah, that was all yep. for the Night Sharks down there. Up next, the mighty, mighty best team in the world could beat the World All-Stars, could beat Australia, could beat the Golden State Warriors right now in a game of basketball. The Gold Coast Titans up against the Brisbane Broncos. First of all, I think everyone is, again, another thing that everyone's fixated on at the moment. What does the Titans' spine look like? Um, we know, I don't, I don't think AJ Brimson will be back yet as he continues to recover from that shoulder surgery. But if he is back, is it fullback? Is it in the halves? Where does Tyron yeah. Roberts play? Garth Brennan's come out today and said, Ash Taylor isn't safe. He could be axed if his form is the same as last year. Okay. So yeah. his head's on the chopping block. Um, everyone's interested to see that. Next, who wears the number seven for the Brisbane Broncos? 
it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, but it's still a question that is yet for me to be decided. You've got Tommy Dearden coming through the club. I don't think he wears it. You've got Cody Nicarima down the club. Is he a genuine halfback or is his best position a utility off the bench? And of course, you have former Sydney Rooster player, Sean O'Sullivan. That's a question that still needs to be answered. Anthony Seabold is a new coach. He has no former ties to these players, no long-lasting friendships or professional, um, I suppose, friendships, whatever you want to say there. So yeah. everyone's head is on the chopping block. Everyone is available for a position to impress the new coach. Um, and the last one. Payne Haas suspended for the first four rounds to feed yep. a Pangai Jr. Hamstring problems continuing. Two spots have opened up for the Brisbane Broncos forward pack. Who takes that role? Who are you tipping here, Oliver? Are you tipping someone like a veteran, Sam Tagiteezy or Sean Fensom? Or are you tipping a young gun, Pat Carrigan, Jaden Sua? Um, I, I would say at this stage, David Fafita's spot is pretty well cemented. But yeah. sort of, it's interesting, isn't it? Do you think it'll be a veteran or a young gun that puts their hand up in the trial? In the trial, you've sort of got to go more the young gun. Yeah. So I'd say Jaden Sewer probably takes that spot. The one thing that the trials does do good, and I know we just backed on the trials before, lets young players have a go, I guess, at a first grade level, even though they're not versing full strength first grade sides but you've definitely got to go in the trials with the younger option and look to be honest who cares if you chuck the younger option in during a trial game and you lose because as we said before there's no implications and nothing to play for yeah it's certainly a good way to ease them in also because the focus for every team is on their game what they want to implement it's not so much um a focus on defense or shutting down certain players so it does yeah. give the younger players a chance to actually focus on their game while stepping into NRL experience. Um, but that's all I've got for that game there. Yeah, um, not much more I've got to say on that one either. Now we're headed out to the West. Now, personally, because I this game yearly, surprisingly, does generally get a few people going to it. It is the Panthers versus the Eels trial game. Of course, they're versing in round one as well. Clarky, what have you got on the Battle of the West? First of all, what stadium is that at? Um, it's at Panther Stadium, so Penrith. You're going? I have to see if I'm... I don't know if I'm working. I might, actually. Mm. Maybe. Certainly. I'll see. I'm looking to go to round one, though, so... Yeah, it looks like a good game yeah. to get down to. But um, yeah. I suppose my first question is, Ivan Cleary at the West Tigers, I touched on him earlier, but typically he was, in terms of offense, you can almost say a boring coach. He wanted yep. so much of a focus on defense that the Tigers didn't put on many points and didn't score. His first game we've seen with the Panthers, he's put on 38 points in very wet, very torrential rain conditions. I have to think on a dry surface, this scoring continues for the Panthers, and I think they put at least 40 points on the Eels. That's my prediction. If they don't, we can put last week down to a one-off game with Ivan Cleary, um, or or maybe we can put it down to the wet weather conditions. Uh, I'm not sure what we can put it down to, but from what we saw last week, if that continues and that same Panthers side turns up, Without torrential rain pouring down on the field, making you know expansive football out the window, I think we see at least forty put on by the Eels. Second, or did, yep. you, did you have something to touch on there? Um, just nothing really. It's just it for me. I find no matter where they are on the ladder, no matter what squads they put out there, no matter if it's a trial game or not. Generally, what I've seen majority in the past, Parramatta and Penrith do usually have a pretty good contest so i don't know about that absolute flogging okay we'll have to do um wait and see but generally 
that's like in round one. I've obviously I've got Parramatta fifteenth on the ladder and Penrith finishing second. However, that that one's going to be hard for me to pick. Anyway, second point. Mm. Uh, I guess I'm also basing that tipping off um, Kate Ellis confirming that the biggest focus has been defense this offseason, and they were really happy with their defense against the um, Rabbits. But um, Mitchell Moses, was yep. that a one-off game against the Raiders where he looked pretty good in the half he played, or is he set to continue that form? Is he genuinely back, I suppose, mm-hmm. is my question. And my third one, for the Eels, now when they played the Raiders, they often versed a, a lot of development players. They didn't play Josh Papali. They didn't play Elliot Whitehead, I don't believe. They didn't play Joseph Tapane. They didn't play a middle of consistent NRL quality. Yeah. Coming up against the Panthers, they're going to be coming up against James Tarmel, Sonny Katoa, Moses Leota, Isaiah Yo, um, Hame Sele. There's a lot of NRL quality there, and I'm very interested to see how the NRL, sorry, how the Parramatta Eels respond to how their middle is against a proper quality NRL pack. I would yep. say the Panthers have the best, the second best forward pack in the competition. Um, so I'd say it's very interesting for the Eels because obviously that had to be a huge focus. Their middle was dominated every game last year. So that had to be a preseason focus. I'm keen to see um, as to what level it is at as the 2019 season approaches. Yep. That's all I've got for that game. Yeah. Up next, we have got sort of traditional rivalry here. Not much. The Seagulls going up against the Roosters on the beautiful Central Coast. Clarky, what have you got for us? Yeah, first one I suppose is what sort of side do the Roosters name Okay. Uh, in this preseason? What else do they have to prove? They just became the World Club Challenge champions. Everyone is tipping them to win the Premiership in 2019. Except Buzz Rothfield. Who's he tipping? Dragons. Okay, that's interesting. I, yeah. I can't say I agree with that one. But um, look, I suppose is burnout a factor for these players? And I'm not talking about physical burnout. Obviously, they've only played one game this year. I'm talking about mental burnout. James Maloney touched on it, how hard it is mentally to win a premiership back-to-back. So I just wonder what side does Trent Robinson actually feel there? Does he feel a genuine NRL side or is it all younger guns? Um, yep. Next, the risks Des takes now because obviously... Yeah. He's just lost Tom Trebojevic, his best player. He's lost two young forwards, Tanelia Paseca and Kalepi Tanganoa. As you said, their depth is little to none now. What side does Dez risk, realistically? It's, uh, for Dez, I have to think he pulls most of his stars from this game. Um, but yeah. we also saw the Seagulls didn't name their team until a couple hours before the Sharks. Obviously, being a trial game, there's no requirement to even name your team at all. Yeah. So I think Des waits until he, he waits until Trent Robinson names his side before making a final decision on who features. Okay. If the Roosters name a close to strong NRL side, I think he puts a couple of NRL players in there to match it. If they name all their reserve grade players and young guns, I think Des does the same. Um, but I am interested on the fullback position in particular for who Des names. Yeah. I'm interested whether he names Albert Hopawati because it is only a trial. But like we said, you know, it could go disastrous. He could ruin the young kid's confidence, and that's obviously yeah. not what he wants with round one approaching. Uh, that's all I've got for that game. I reckon, Desi, name the Harold Matt side and just take the massive L. It's a trial game. Keep your players safe. Just lose 150 nil to the Roosters with a half-strength side. Who really cares? It's a trial game. It's not for nothing. Okay, 
Sorry, that was a double negative. It's not for anything. Okay, now, sort of still a trial game, yet this one's actually sort of for something. The Charity Shield. Mm. Now, obviously, Jack DeBellin won't be playing. We're getting that out of the way right now. Jack DeBellin not playing. Let's move forward. What have we got for this one, Clarky? Three things here. So, one, how does Corey Norman fit in? If you're going through my okay. match comments, obviously I was able to watch the full Knights vs. Dragons game as it didn't overlap like many of the trials did last week. I was concerned with how Corey Norman was fitting into that spine. Um, he got the ball a couple times on the last tackle and he looked a little bit lost. Whether that was a mistake from McInnes finding Normie on the last, or the Dragons being so reliant on Gareth Widdop's long kicking game and Ben Hunt's short kicking game. I will say they looked a little lost. Um, but whether you look at it from that perspective or also the perspective, you now have Gareth Widdop, Ben Hunt, and Corey Norman, three premier playmakers together. How that gels, obviously we're all interested to see the development there. Corey Allen, does he stay on the wing again? Or does he shift between fullback and wing? Yep. Um, obviously Greg Inglis claimed that he was back to 100% fitness and he was all good to go. Um, he wanted to play this week, but the Rabbitohs coaching and medical yeah. staff decided otherwise. Very smart decision, guys. Yep. Do not risk him until at least round one, please. We all want to see Greg Inglis back in action. We don't want to see him injured in a trial game. And last but not least, the battle between Lowe and Tom Amoni. We've touched on Lowe okay. earlier, so I won't say too much more yeah. there. But I genuinely think Tom Amoni is a big chance to snag a jersey come round one, especially with George Burgess retire, retired, sorry, suspended. <laughs> Just in, guys. There you go. Um, yeah. Tom Amoni averaged 156 meters um, in reserve grade last year. And whilst that is reserve grade, that's more than a lot of NRL props did average. So I think he is ready for the step up. He's such a humble guy. I mean, I, I reached out to him and asked him if he would like to do a player Q&A to talk about signing with the Rabbitohs and how he is. And he said, look, Clarky, I still feel like I'm a nobody. Let me make my debut and you'll be the first person I talk to afterwards. Ooh. So obviously he's a legend of a guy um, and very humble, certainly. I'm tipping him to snag a spot there for round one. That's something I've spoken to him about, actually. I've said, like, dude, great um, great move signing there. I actually think you're going to make your NRL debut round one if you impress. Um, and like I said, average of 156 meters. I believe his tackle efficiency was up around just, low, just shy of 90%, so effective in defense also. Um, certainly interesting to see whether he's ready to make the step up against NRL competition. But that's all I've got for that game. Okay, beautiful. Well, that's all for tonight, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Gordon, Fletch, Hindy, thank you. I've been Matty Johns. Thank you for tuning in to The Late Show with Matty Johns. No, again, I've got it mixed up. Set of six is over, unfortunately, for another week. I am Oliver Ozza from NRL, in my opinion. All of the socials are above my head. I'm going to hand over to the beautiful Clarkie from Clarkie's NRL column, Clarkie. Yep. You. And I'm Clarky, guys. I'm just short of 100k followers across social media. You can find it all above. Make sure you check them out. Follow me on all of them if you don't mind. Um, and also, guys, make sure you are checking out Oliver's stuff, in particular his Instagram um, as he continues to grow and work on some exciting content there for 2019. Thanks for joining us for the podcast, guys. We'll see you next week.